0: Welcome to Unwanted Guests, the podcast that teaches you about insects and other pests that may join you in and around your home. It's brought to you by Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and the Texas A&M Department of Entomology. We're your hosts, Wizzy Brown,
1: Robert Puckett,
2: Molly Keck, and Janet Hurley.
0: So on this episode of Unwanted Guests, we're going to talk about some of the various insects and arthropods that you may see Kind of conglomerating in your home or on your home in the fall months. So these could be things like hackberry psyllids or box elder bugs um, sometimes millipedes depending on the weather. So these are all the things that they're not really necessarily a huge problem but people can get somewhat alarmed when they are in really high numbers because when they collect, they usually are in large populations. So we're gonna start off with um, hackberry psyllids. Who wants to chime in and talk about hackberry psyllids? What they look like, uh, where they're found, and are they a problem or not? How do they get in?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to address that, Lizzie. yeah, cause I we we get a lot of calls on these uh, during the fall. I'm, I'm sure you guys do too. Um, but the hackberry psyllid is a pretty interesting insect. Um, they are uh, their their host plant is the hackberry tree, um, and during the spring, uh, adult females will lay eggs on leaf buds, and then uh, after they hatch, the, uh, the 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 larvae actually. Um, sort of chew into the, into the leaves and it creates a gall situation. If You've had a hackberry tree. If you have a hackberry tree on your property, you've probably seen the galls that are formed um, by the developing insects on the underside of the leaves. And so they complete their development there. And then in the fall, they emerge as adults. And, and at that point, you know, they're looking for a place to overwinter. And uh, if they happen to be in close proximity to your home, this can be a problem because they can accumulate in big numbers um, as adults. And some people complain that they, um, they feel them bite. Sometimes I've never been bitten by them, but I've, I've, I've been in pretty big swarms of these I and mean, it's, it can be pretty impressive. Um, unfortunately, there's not a lot that can be done, um, outside of, uh, exclusion techniques, but they're pretty small insects, so they can find their way through some, some small, uh, entry points into homes. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, um, not, there's not a whole, whole lot that, that I'm aware of that we can do um, with chemical insecticides in terms of treating houses to keep them out. Um, I have read a bit about techniques for um, treating their host plants, the trees, the hackberry trees, with a systemic insecticide um, during the spring, but you got to be sort of planning ahead. This is, this is one of those insect issues that you're um, unlikely to be able to solve once it's an ongoing issue, but, but with a, a, a little bit of planning. Um, Some people have effectively managed these before.
0: So they,
3: to me, they look teeny, teeny, tiny. Um, A lot of people, I think, confuse them for gnats because they'll, um, they tend to, you know, get in like through your window screens and they'll be found on your window where maybe your kitchen is or your sink or something like that. And I think people assume that they're gnats because they're so small. So they're, um, you can see them with your eyes they're kind of a modeled color to the wing. They um, are about the size of a gnat, I guess you could say. They uh, kind of have their wings held tent-like over their body, um, if that makes sense, kind of like an A-frame tent. And um, they're kind of a brownish, I guess, brownish tan color. Really hard to identify it unless you have it down on the ground and you're looking at it. You know, it's really hard to figure out exactly what it looks like as it's flying. But when it's clustered when they're kind of clustered and dead on your windowsill or somewhere else in your house, then you can kind of see that modeled look and you really almost need a hand loop or a little microscope or something like that. And yes, they do look like itty bitty tiny cicadas because they're related to cicadas.
0: So these um, usually when I get them, if they're dead, because a lot of times people will find them when they're dead, they're like just in kind of piles on the windowsill of the house. So I'm assuming that they're gonna be attracted to the light and they're trying to get back outside and they can't. And so they end up dying on that windowsill. And it, you know, if that's the case, if they're dead, they're really not a problem anymore and you can just vacuum those up and you know, problem solved. Um, as far as I know, these only attack Hackberry trees. Is that a true and correct statement? Anybody got any refute of that statement? I'm gonna say that I'm correct then.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry, I cut my computer. <laughs> let me unmute. Yeah, and so um, they they have extreme host plant fidelity. I mean, they are totally tied to the, the hackberries.
0: So, and so, I think one of the one of the ways that people can control. I mean, if you have hackberry trees, or if you're planting hackberry trees, then if you avoid the ones that make the seeds, then that can
2: help. Well, I was just going to say, because I'm in such a urban area, and most of my hackberries have been cut down. I mean, that's why I was just curious if, you know, if they did move. But I mean, so again, know, know the trees in your, your area.
0: Well, oh, and that's something that I always get from people. You know, they have these hackberry solids and they're coming in their house and they're finding them and they don't have a hackberry tree in their yard. So they're just like, you know, well, I don't understand where these are coming from because there's a hack, there isn't a hackberry tree in my yard. But hackberry trees are very common within Texas. And so it's quite possible that even if you don't have one in your yard, someone close by is going to have a hackberry tree. And these do have wings and they are capable of flight. And so they can move from those areas. And while they are, associated with that tree as their host, you know, they can move about when they are
2: winged in the adult stage. Good point. That's what I was trying to get at because I mean most hackberry trees because they are native, they may not be in an, an established neighborhood, but if you've got um oh, oh that creek bank, that area that wildlife area that's close to your home and most of us do because we have some park or or open area a lot of times that's where you'll find your hackberries
3: right yeah there's like a ton of different species of hackberries i think they're in the celtus genus and a lot of them don't even look tree-like to me they're more of like a shrubby type of a thing but you're right janet if you have a easement or a green belt close to you a native area there's a good chance there's probably several species of those close by and they they're itty bitty. So they get picked up by the wind. I can remember a time um, at a at a conference being way up on like the seventh or above floor and finding those hackberry psyllids all the way up there. So they kind of get pulled up into the vortex of the wind so they can travel quite a distance from maybe their original location where they've emerged.
0: I know a lot of people kind of Well, not all. Some people look down on hackberry trees and they're just like, oh, they're just a trash tree, but they are a, you know, there are native hackberries and they are great for a lot of pollinators. There are butterflies and things like that, that will feed on hackberry. And so they can be very good host plants for other types of insects that people may actually want in their landscape. So that is something to consider when we're dealing with these Um, But the good thing, or at least one, one of the things that I would say is a good thing, is that the hackberry solids don't last forever. I mean, it's usually a very short window that we're talking about that they're really problematic. And it usually happens in the fall. And you know, I would say, what, maybe two or three weeks that we really kind of have them being a problem, and then they kind of die off.
3: Right. And usually around Thanksgiving, it seems like.
0: Yeah. (laughs) They're there for the holidays. They're coming to visit with all of your family. (laughs) All right. So moving on to the next insect, we are going to be talking about box elder bugs. And I don't think that these often come inside. I, I think they might at some point be able to, depending on how they found their way in. But usually the calls that I get on box elder bugs are on the outside of the structure. Molly, do you want to tell us a little bit more about the box elder bugs?
3: Sure. So box elder bugs are kind of a, a decent sized insect. They're much bigger than those hackberry psyllids. They're um, like a um, grayish black with red edging on their body. And um, they are funny because, it, you know, in Texas, we have these cold days and then really hot by the afternoon and so in a during the colder months you might have a warm day where you will go outside and you will find hundreds of them either on like a deck where the sun is hitting it or maybe the side of the house and usually a light colored um, building where the sun is hitting it's nice and warm and they i understand that they have this aggregation pheromone where they release this smell that tells everyone else hey this is a really good place to go hang out and it's like, it's, I mean, they're not mating. So it's not like a box elder bug orgy, but it's like this giant amount of these guys oftentimes. And so it can really frighten people because they're thinking, why are there hundreds of this bug on my, you know, my deck or the side of my house or, or something like that. And um, they are called box elder bugs because box elder trees are their food source. But I have never, ever been in a situation or seen a situation where they have, caused any kind of damage to a box elder tree I'm sure that's probably possible but at least in my area I don't see that happening I don't know if you guys do so I don't really consider them a pest they're just kind of this weird thing that happens and I think it's kind of a cool thing when it happens you just wake up one morning and there's tons of them on the side of your house and it's you know kind of interesting to see if you've got kids tell them to collect them and pin them and put them in their little insect collection.
0: That's easy insect collecting right there when you have those massive numbers and you can just grab them. <laughs> so the, the thing with the box otter bugs is there are, um, they're kind of, you'll see multiple stages, not just the adult stage like Molly described, but you'll also sometimes see the immature stages. And those ones are usually kind of like a bright reddish orange because they don't have fully developed wings yet. So you might see those as well. And, you know, they tend to crawl into all the little cracks and crevices. And I I usually see them um, either in the morning, like you mentioned, but sometimes I'll see them in the afternoon as well. Like, especially during the winter time, they'll be on the, um, what, the west side of the house. And usually it's on light colored surfaces and they'll come out there and they're sunning themselves and getting all cozy, warm. So it's not something that's going to harm anyone personally. They aren't going to, you know, bite or anything like that. So it's not really problematic. Um, anybody have anything to add on box elder bugs? There are some insects that look very similar to them. Does anybody want to talk about that?
3: Like your giant milkweed bug, right? And um, one that I call a largus bug. I don't know if that's what you guys call it as well, Um, but those are, those I think look really similar to the box elder bugs too, and all of which are, you know, fairly, fairly harmless. I guess milkweed bug might feed on your milkweed, but that's its host. That's what it's meant to feed on. So, you know, I always just kind of let nature do what it meant to do.
0: Yes. So they, there's the, maybe the red shouldered bug. Is that the the largest bug? Maybe that might be a different one, but they're all kind of that grayish black color and they have like reddish orange markings and they all look really similar, but they all feed on plants and they're really nothing to get upset about. Um, so the next one that I want to talk about is one that I had, um, I was getting calls on this last year and these are acorn weevils. Has anybody else dealt with these? I love these things. These things (laughs) make me laugh so hard because it's always like a preschool. That's
3: like, we have maggots all over our (laughs) craft table. And I'm like, I bet you guys did acorn crafting, didn't you?
0: (laughs) Yes, that's fantastic. So these are going to be beetles And they're, they're tiny and a weevil is a type of beetle that has a long snout and their mouth parts are at the end of that. And so these are about, oh, I don't know, like three eighths of an inch or something. And they're brown, like a kind of mottled brown color. And then like Molly said, the larvae are going to be these legless grub-like things. And they're kind of a creamy white yellowish color, but they're kind of fat in the middle. And then they kind of taper at both ends. And those ones are going to be actually in the acorns. So the weevils are going to lay their eggs inside of the acorns, usually in the summertime. And then the eggs are going to hatch out and they will actually be inside the acorn and kind of feeding and doing their thing inside of their So when those acorns fall to the ground in the autumn, then the larvae is going to chew a hole out of that. So if you've ever found an acorn and it has this little perfectly round hole, that is where the acorn larvae has chewed its way out and actually has emerged. And so those are going to emerge out in the fall once those acorns hit the ground. And then they're going to tunnel into the soil and that's where they're going to pupate. And so they'll stay down in the soil until they're done pupating and all that stuff. That usually takes a couple of years. And then the adults will emerge back out. And so they kind of have overlapping life cycles. It's not like we have uh, zero acorn weevils at some points in time, and then acorn weevils at other times. But as far as damage, unless you're eating the acorn, it's really not problematic um, or planting the acorn because the weevils are gonna feed on the inside of the acorn. It's usually more of the nuisance. Like Molly mentioned, if you have acorn crafts that you're doing, or if you go collect acorns, I know I like collecting acorns in the fall and you know, kind of putting a display or whatever, there's the option of having those larvae emerge out.
2: So do the adult weevils bite or anything? And because, I mean, again, I typically don't think of acorns in Texas, but I know we have them. I'm looking at a lacy oak tree as we speak and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at all those acorns out there going, huh, maybe I might actually see something. <laughs>
0: So this is one of those things. I think it's like, they're always there, but people don't, if they don't know about them, they really don't pay attention. I mean, I know that probably everybody listening has picked up an acorn at one time or another, and it's had a little hole in it. and You're just like, oh, okay. You know, whatever. They don't know that that was caused from this acorn weevil, you know, chewing its way out and kind of going about its business. So they're, they're here they're not problematic. The adults, while they do have chewing mouth parts and are capable of biting, they're not going to bite. Um, or if they do, you're probably not going to feel it. They're not attacking you or anything like that. So they're more of a nuisance pest. And usually when acorn weevils, uh, the adults, if they come into a structure, people will confuse them with other stuff. It could be they think that there's some sort of a pantry pest, uh, like a rice weevil or something like that. Or I had somebody that they, they thought they had boll weevils coming into their house. And I was just like, I, I think that this is probably what you have instead.
2: So again, be careful with what, what you bring in for um, holiday decor.
0: Yes. So if you are someone like me, who brings in acorns, especially like the giant bur oak ones. Those ones are amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, You might want to stick them into the freezer for a couple of weeks to kind of help kill off whatever might be in there. (laughs) And then you can, you know, do whatever you want. But as far as picking up, you know, and I know that I say this, but I know if you have um, smaller children, sometimes this can be challenging because I remember my kid when he was little, you know, his pockets would be full of acorns and all sorts of stuff. And so, you know, if I didn't find that in time, it's quite possible that you have them coming out of those before you even know it.
1: The only thing um, we, we might add is that like you, Wizzy, I've gotten calls from people um, and emails that thought that they were dealing with a pantry pest when they found a couple of uh, acorn weevils in their house. And, and I would just say that, you know, if anybody is, uh, you know, anybody, any listeners, ever have a question about these things, if they find them in their house, they can reach out to us and, and send specimens, and, and we can either identify them or get them to somebody who can. You know, obviously, the weevils, it's a huge group, and they're difficult to identify um, to species. So yeah, if anybody ever has a question or uh, and, and needs to uh, reach out, please don't hesitate to do so.
0: So the last one that I want to talk about isn't an insect, it's actually a myriapod, and these are the millipedes, and this is one that I know I get them coming in my house because I know I need to replace the weather stripping around my door, um, but millipedes can definitely be problematic, and they are, again, more of a nuisance pest because they're not really going to cause much damage in their they're not medically important that they're going to be biting or, you know, doing anything like that. But does anybody want to talk about millipedes?
3: Well, I have a quick question for you. You call them a myriapod. In some books, is myriapod and, uh, I'm sorry, is a myriapod both the centipede and the uh, millipede smushed together? Or is myriapod just another word for diplopod?
0: Now a miripod is the, the larger group. So those are the things that have like the head with the antennae and a long worm-like body. And so centipedes and millipedes both fall in there.
3: I learned something new that I can use when I talk to master naturalists now. Thank you. You're Um, welcome. I could talk really quick about millipedes, I guess. Go for Um, it. So we have. I think we have several different types of millipedes uh, throughout Texas. Um, Sometimes we can get those really, really big ones that are maybe not as thick as your thumb, but, you know, pretty impressive looking things. And those probably aren't as common. Those definitely are not as common coming into your house. The more common one that gets into your house is relatively thin, um, you know, kind, I don't know, maybe an inch in length or so. And if you if you're able to look really close, the big difference between them and a centipede is that they have two sets of legs or four total legs per little body segment. So if they were like Lego pieces that you stuck all together, you can see there's different little pieces and there'd be four legs coming off of one little Lego piece and um, they are pretty harmless. I mean, they, they I'm sure they have mouth parts and they could bite if they really wanted to. I have messed with them enough that I've never had one actually bite me. They can sometimes have an odor to them kind of like a ladybug does. They have this musty odor that can come off of them. That might be irritating to somebody, but not like medically harmful or anything like that. They're Kind of a Brown and black color, long and skinny. A lot of people call them worms. And when they die, they'll tend to roll up into a little circle. Um, and I, and, and I guess that's, usually how most people find them kind of curled up or shaped like a a funny, a funny shaped C and outside they are just eating decaying organic matter and, you know, fungus and other stuff like that. So they're real common in compost. And as it cools down, their soil gets cold. They might be, you know, more attracted to your porch or your concrete on your, on your back porch, maybe your deck, and then they just move until something stops them. And so if they get into the house, usually that way, but but, um, hot weather, cold weather, too much rain. I mean, they're around twelve months out of the year, but in the winter months, they tend to be a little bit more noticeable for a lot of people.
1: do you Do you guys remember uh, I think it was two thousand nineteen. I called it the year of the millipede because I, I I was completely overwhelmed with phone calls and emails and text messages for for a month or so from all over the state. Do you guys remember this?
0: I do. And I remember I had them in my house, too. They were crawling up the walls and everything. It was
1: -hmm. insane. Yeah, the the photos that people were sending were just almost astonishing. And, you know, the the big question was, well, what in the world's going on? You know, and and, uh, I guess I guess we won't ever know. But some some sort of population regulatory factor was removed from their populations that year. I don't know what it was, but it was amazing. It was like one of our big cricket years, you know.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Unwanted Guests. Remember, if you have any sort of these nuisance pests moving into your house, then you can contact one of us to help you with identification and possibly control strategies if you require those. You can also listen to our previous episode on exclusion to provide you with some ideas on how to keep these pests outdoors instead of moving into your structure. For more information, you can go to entomology.tamu.edu. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.